This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3625 for Friday the 24th of June 2022. Today's show is entitled, Shell Tips and Snippets Collaborative Effort. It is hosted by Carl and is about 20 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is, Carl and special guests provide some shell tips and examples. Hello, HPR. This is Carl. I solicited the mailing list for audio contributions about shell scripting, so I could then add my own and stitch them all together into a single collaborative show. This is that show. I'll go first by discussing the snippet that I put in the mailing list post, which is kind of a silly example of wondering if you can do something and then figuring out a way to do it. In this case, I wanted to see if there was a way to move function definitions to the end of the script rather than having an, having them at the beginning. Um, and, it, and it's really not so much that they have to be, they have to be at the beginning, but they just have to be defined prior to being called, uh, which does usually put them closer to the top of the script. Um, and I think common convention is that you, is that you take all your function definitions and you group them together uh, close to the top of the script. So the solution I came up with was to use the said command at the beginning of the script. And it reads, source space less than open parentheses said space single quote one comma forward slash caret exit forward slash space d single quote space dollar sign zero close parentheses probably 99 percent of the time you'll see a period also called a dot used in place of the full word source that i used uh, the dot is POSIX compliant, whereas I don't think the full word source is. And if it is present, I think it's just an alias to dot anyway. So they do the same thing, which is to read a, the specified file into the current environment as if it was just all one script. The less than sign with the parentheses construct is a form of process substitution that makes the output of the command that's enclosed by the parentheses accessible to the source command as if it was a file, which is what we need here. The dollar sign zero at the end is a variable for the file name of the executing script. So what said does is reads in the script, starts at line one and deletes everything until it hits the word exit or a line beginning with the word exit. And then it outputs the rest. The said output then is everything after exit, which is all the function definitions. Those get read in by source so that they're defined before the functions are called. So that's my non-portable solution to the non-problem of moving functions to the end of a script. Without further ado, let's move on to the first community submission. Hey, this is DNT. My snippet is about the shift command in bash. I first saw this on uh, todo.sh, which is the todo text command line interface. And so what it does is it shifts the arguments that are given to your script by one. So all the arguments are available as like a dollar sign one, dollar sign two, dollar sign three, and so on. So the shift command will drop dollar sign one and it'll move dollar sign one into dollar sign, uh, excuse me, it'll move dollar sign two into dollar sign one dollar sign three into dollar sign two and so on. In my snippet, I used it within a loop and it was a script that uh, I would 
uh, run it, um, followed by the times I was supposed to come in at work uh, on some uh, consecutive days. I would run it with a sequence of uh, times, and then it would loop through those um, arguments and create um, events starting at that time. So kind of interesting, I thought. Um, seems a bit unusual to me, this shift command. That's what it does. This is Carl again. I'm glad DNT picked the shift command to talk about because it's one of the ones that's like not really obvious just by the name of it what it's doing. And I tend to trip over it every time I'm reading through a script, but I, I think I'll remember it from now on. And also, I'm not sure if he did it on purpose, but choosing a work example to illustrate the shift command was very appropriate, I thought. Now let's move on to our next contributor. Hey everybody, this is Klaatu. I want to talk to you about variables in shell scripts and how you can protect yourself from them. Well, I mean, they're not dangerous as such, but they can be. They can be surprisingly dangerous. And here's why. So for instance, let's say in a shell script you have uh, the variable foo, and it is set to blah. Foo equals blah. Reasonable enough. So I'm going to do echo quote... Well, actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do echo dollar sign foo. Pretty simple shell script. I'm going to save it. I'm going to run it. And I get just, of course, the word blah in my terminal. It's what I expected. So now I'm going to open that back up, though. And I'm going to set foo to blah space blah. So blah, blah. But with a space between the two. And again, run the shell. Not, not run Emacs. Again, run the shell script. And this time I get an error. There's an error telling me that blah is not a valid command. Command is not found blah. Well, the, the, the reason for that, of course, as you probably picked up possibly when I was saying it out loud, is that foo equal blah, that's a valid statement. And then the space between blah and blah is telling the interpreter that of the, of the code, of the shell uh, command, that that's the end of that command. Foo equals blah was the end of that statement and now there's a new statement, which is just the word blah. So white space is an important delimiter in shells. So, you know, there's there are lots of different ways around that. Like one of the ways is just to do foo equals quote blah space blah. And that gets you what you expect back out on the terminal. But the this is, it's, it's less about that as it is, it's being indicative of the fact that sometimes the values of variables, uh, the contents of those values can can throw things off a little bit. So I'm just going to set foo back to blah, just a single blah. And so to get around that, a very common thing to do is to wrap your usage of the variable. Once you've declared it, you wrap your variable in quotes. And then to further insulate your variable, believe it or not, you can also wrap your just the variable part in curly braces, curly brackets. So that looks like echo space, quote, dollar sign, curly brace, foo, close curly brace, close quote. That is a pretty tightly bound variable, and it is relatively difficult. Actually, let's not say relatively difficult. Let's say it's a little bit harder to sort of mess up the contents of something wrapped in so many layers. So that's the first sort of tip right there, is to wrap your variables in a shell script in quotes and curly braces. It's just, it's a little bit more safer, and it's also a little bit more consistent. By which I mean, once you start using fancy things, fancy constructs like arrays, then those braces are, are basically required. You just have to have the braces around 
the array name when you start referencing components of that array. So it, it's a good, it, it just, it's for consistency, it's, it's nice to have. But what I really wanted to talk about, and that was just kind of the lead into it, what I really want to talk about are the, the things that your variables get set to or, or don't get set to. This is a tip I picked up and I learned pretty early on from Slack builds and it is the colon um, I think it's called a variable, variable like testing or something like that. Variable, what is it? Variable operate. Uh, I don't know. There's a term that I'm not uh, remembering, but like verification or whatever of 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 a variable of a value. So colon, and then there's a couple of things that you could remove that you could um, place after a colon. When, when you're talking about setting a variable. So for instance, here's a cool trick. And you'll see this in Slack build scripts a lot, um, or in every Slack build script from slackbuilds.org anyway. So for instance, let's say that I do something like foo equals blah. But then again, I also kind of want to make sure that my user could, I mean, or or maybe the, the user's system could set foo if that had been set as an environment variable, for instance. Maybe my user has foo already set. I don't know what foo is, but pretend like it's like editor or or visual or, or pager. You know, any of the common sort of user level environment variables that, that a lot of people do actually customize in their .bashrc file. Well, you might want your script to preserve that. And if you just do something like foo equals blah, then you're you're insisting in your shell script that foo is going to equal blah. And if the user has something already set in their shell environment, foo equals vim, well, now you've just said foo equals blah, and you've ignored their preference. That's not very nice. So what I'm going to do is do a foo equals dollar sign curly brace foo colon dash and then some value for uh, let's say blah again and then close curly brace now what what does that do well let's just find out what that does uh, and just in case it's not clear foo must be the same so when you're doing foo equals dollar sign curly brace foo those two foos have to match. If it's a capital F-O-O, then it has to be capital F-O-O in the second time. If it's all capitals, then it needs to be all capitals. All lowercase, all lowercase. So foo equals dollar sign curly brace foo, again, colon dash, and then blah, curly brace. And then I'm going to say echo foo. So now if I if I run this script as is, I get blah as expected, because that was the sort of the default value was blah. But watch what happens if I do something like foo equals hello, and then sh dot slash foo dot sh. So I've just defined foo in my in the environment that this shell is going to run in. I've just defined it. So foo equals hello, sh dot slash foo dot sh. And now instead of blah in my terminal, I get hello back. Because foo was set just for this one command, I, I set a little environment variable, a temporary environment variable called foo, and I set it to hello. My shell script, because I used the the syntax dollar sign curly brace foo colon dash blah, what I'm saying is to set foo to foo un, uh, unless foo hasn't been set, in which case set it to blah. That's what that that construct indicates. There are other ways of setting what foo is in your in your terminal. You don't have to do it on the same sort of as part of the command. I could do uh, export foo equals world 
Okay, I just hit return. So that's that's now an environment variable floating around in this shell session. And so if I do an sh dot slash foo dot sh, I get world back because I exported this new variable called foo. Now I could unset foo, unset space foo, and then do sh dot slash foo dot sh, and I'm back to blah, the, the old default value. So that's a helpful little construct when you're doing a shell script to ensure that a variable gets set to either what you think it should be or to trust the user and to let them set it themselves in their bash environment or in their shell environment. Okay, one more way to test uh, the the validity of a of a variable and that is a, another colon something syntax. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to come up with a scenario that could be a little bit dangerous. So I'm going to do foo equals dollar sign curly brace foo colon dash blah uh, uh, semicolon or um, curly brace. And then I'm going to echo foo. But then I'm going to throw a wrench in it and do foo equals quote quote. Okay, so this is going to, this is essentially unsetting foo, right? And in fact, I could just do that. I could just say unset foo. In fact, I'll do that. Okay, unset foo. Next, I'm going to do an echo dollar sign, uh, no, quote, dollar sign curly brace foo close curly brace slash quote. Now, this is pretty common in shell scripts where you're defining a path. You might have a variable that gets set to some location on a hard drive where you want to install something or you want to... Uh, write a file out to it or something like that. And so because you don't want to hard code all the paths, you make those paths consist largely of variables. And and that's, I mean, that's really common because something like, let's say dollar sign, ho- uh, yeah, dollar sign home, I mean, that's an invaluable variable to be using in a shell script because that way you don't have to come up with your own, you don't have to detect things yourself. You just let the user's environment inform your shell script where home is. And, and, and home is often sometimes followed by a slash because then maybe you're descending into some other uh, location within home. What we don't think about sometimes though is what happens if one of those variables, especially the first one, is not set for some reason or it's set to an empty string or whatever. Well, let's find out what, what our little shell script does here. So I'm going to do sh dot slash foo. It echoes out blah first, but then remember, after it does that, I unset foo to, to to nothing. And now my second echo of foo, which should have been blah slash, is just slash. And you can imagine the kind of havoc that can wreak on a system if you're writing a file out to dollar sign home slash dot local slash share slash config or something. Now suddenly you're writing it out to slash dot config uh, dot local. So a hidden directory at your root partition, like what good is that going to do anyone? Um, not only is that annoying, but it will also probably prompt the user for a root permission or, or it will, it will say that it's not able to write to the destination or whatever. And of course, there's the nightmare scenario where you do some kind of like, I don't know, really complex rm command to unprotect your root partition and remove all of the, you know, whatever. Like, point is, you probably didn't mean to set your variable to just slash or to just slash and then some other path. You want a way to ensure that that doesn't happen, even by accident. So in your uh, shell script, after I unset foo, so I've got foo equals blah, echo foo, just to confirm that it's there, and then unset foo, okay, it's gone, and then echo foo slash to confirm that it's gone, and I only have a slash. 
Now I'm going to do my final little uh, demonstration here, and that is going to be echo, quote, dollar sign, curly quote, foo, colon, question mark, curly brace, slash, close quote. So I'm using a, a the, the variable colon something um, uh, notation again, but instead of this time I'm not using a dash, I'm using a question mark. The question mark tests whether that variable has a value. Here's, here's what that looks like if I run it. I get blah, so that was the, the, the test case that works. And then I get slash, so that's the unset foo with just a slash. And then I get an error on line 10, foo parameter is null or not set. That's because the colon question mark detected that my attempted use of foo in that play, in that, at that time re- was going to result in, in something that I did not want. I didn't want to allow the use of an empty variable. And so my colon question mark protected me from that. I mean, it errors out, which, you know, a lot of people kind of associate that with a a problem, but it's a lot better to error out than to, say, overwrite an important file at slash or to dump a bunch of unwanted files at slash or on in the wrong path or, or whatever the situation would be when you have like an empty, an unexpectedly empty variable. And you can use both of those constructs, the, the colon dash and the colon question mark. I mean, you can use that whenever you want to use it. Like it doesn't have to be just when setting a variable or something like that. Like you can use that, that syntax anytime you use the variable where it's appropriate for you to either need a default value or you need to make sure that there is a value and that it's not unset or null. Those are my variable tips for shell scripts. I hope they help you. Carl here again. That was all awesome information, but there was one specific thing that I wanted to comment on because it ties in with the other topic I wanted to cover, which also involves the colon, but when it's used by itself outside of the curly braces that Cloud2 discussed. The colon, when it's used as a command, is a, is a shell built in that is often used when you need to return a zero exit code, meaning success. I was already familiar with using the colon as sort of like a stand in for true. For example, when you want to create an endless loop, you might start it with while colon, meaning while true or successful, which would always evaluate to true and would always enter the do loop. However, I recently saw the colon used in a way that I wasn't as familiar with. In Clatu's segment, he used the example foo equals dollar sign curly brace foo colon dash blah curly brace, which sets the variable foo to blah only if foo is unset or set but null. You can use the colon in place of foo equals to accomplish the same thing, though note that it also requires a change to the syntax inside the curly braces. So instead of foo equals, you could put colon space dollar sign curly brace foo colon equals blah close curly brace. The colon command, besides always returning true or successful, also has parameter expansion done on any arguments that are passed to it. So in Clatu's example, by using the foo equal syntax, he was explicitly stating that foo will either be assigned the value of foo, provided foo already had a non-null value, and if it didn't, if foo wasn't set or it was null, foo would be assigned the value blah. In my variation, using the colon command, inside the curly braces you have to change colon dash to colon equals 
so that when parameter expansion is performed, it assigns the value of blah to foo rather than substituting the value of blah. On pubs.opengroup.org, there's a table under the parameter expansion section that lists all the different variations and conditions uh, when a value gets assigned versus when a value is substituted. I didn't quite get the difference between assignment and substitution in this context until I started putting this show together. When using the colon command in this way, just remember that the parameter expansion has to do an assignment or it won't work. You can use the colon to do arithmetic expansion also. For example, to increment a counter variable, you could do colon space dollar sign open parent open parent I plus plus close parent close parent and that would increment the, var the counter variable I by one. That concludes the collaborative show on shell snippets. I'd like to thank DNT and Klaatu for their great submissions. Um, and this is Carl. I'll see you next time. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.